Chicago lives up to its nickname, the Windy City. Winds of up to 90 miles an hour bring the less hardy to a standstill or use them like a Scotsman's curling stones. Alley fight between Fitz and Combs. You both get to pick three all-time Sox and Cubs as part of your alley fight. My my number one draft pick is Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett, you're out of your mind. Hey, Michael, but did you see that right hook? Ask AJ Brzezinski if he wants to get hit with that right hook again. You can ask AJ Brzezinski that. I will. <laughs> that's gonna be that's such a podcast question. I uh, shut up. Jordan Rizzo. It's in time, and the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Rebay has it. He throws out, out. A White Sox winner and a World Championship. And welcome to another episode of Windy City Sports Talk. I am your host, Brandon. Comes along with my co-host, Ryan Fitzgibbons. Ryan showing, show got a picture here of uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and Connor Bedard in uniform. Yep. Pretty cool. I mean, they could have got a better pitcher. I mean, this is the pitcher they're going to be showing if they win the Stanley Cup. Right. Yes. This will be the picture like, oh, Connor McDowell, remember when he was 18. But still, yeah. exciting stuff, like really exciting. I'm, I'm finally excited about it. <laughs> very, very <laughs> exciting. Uh, I think the, the Blackhawks, we're going to talk about it here in just a minute, but I think the Blackhawks really dominated this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, if you miss any part of today's broadcast, you can catch us on all podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click the like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. If you have any feedback for us or have something you want us to talk about or questions you want us to answer, you can email us at combsandfits, all one word, combsandfits at gmail.com. We're going to talk about the Blackhawks today. We're going to talk some bulls. They made a move. I'm not quite sure it's, you know really moving the needle for anybody but they made a move and we're going to talk some white Sox, and we're going to talk some cubs as usual middle of the summer baseball is really starting to heat up the the white Sox found a way to split so we're definitely going to talk about that and what's more dangerous are we going to have a black widow spider or a lead with Lance Lynn on the mound. What's more dangerous? <laughs> more to come on that. <laughs> Let, a couple bones to pick with that. Oh. Well, I think we both do. I think we both do because I, I was watching the game the other day and, and I, I almost blew a gasket. As a matter of fact, I texted you when it happened, but we're definitely going to get to that. But the Blackhawks, man, they're the story of the week. This is Chicago sports talk. So, Let's get into it, man. Connor Bedard, officially a Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, they draft Connor Bedard with the number one overall pick. Number one overall pick. My favorite part about that, you keep holding up that news article. It's got Connor Bedard there. And right next to Connor Bedard is a story about the Bulls extending Nikola Vucevic. Boring signing <laughs> in the history like, of NBA basketball. As if that entire front page couldn't have been about the pick of Connor Bedard. Exactly. Why do we need this? The, the yeah. Ryan Dorfian sign. The most Ryan's Dorfian sign ever. A mediocre signing. Although I, I like, I like this bitch. I think he's a good player, but it's like, what is it gonna? Is it gonna move the needle? No. So you said you're finally excited about about Connor Bedard. What 
what about Connor Bedard is most exciting to you? Because I I got a few things that that I've got, but what's what's because you haven't really talked to me about this. You, you keep, really you, keep about you keep uh, sending me highlights. Of I do. <laughs> the comparisons, and you know, I think they obviously go too far. As all predictions for every sports thing that ever happens goes a little too far. Um, I mean, but I mean, it's exciting. Gratsky. Connor Mc, I mean they. It's not. It's not Connor McDavid, is it? No. Connor McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. Is that? Oh, I didn't know his name was. Okay. Yeah. I think I did know that. But anyway, who I've watched play enough. They're they're doing comparisons to him too. But he's only twenty six, so it's like, can you? I mean, he's still playing. Uh, and then they say generational talent, and it's kind of like, well, you know. I watched some pretty good players play Duncan Keith Hall of Famer. Not that, you know, uh, Connor Bedard's going to be a defensive man, but, uh, but you know, you got Taves, you got Kane, you got probably the best two way player ever in Blackhawk history or pretty close. Uh, you got the best, as you always say, the best American born uh, hockey player probably ever in Kane. And I don't think anybody's going to be challenging that anytime soon. Uh, but to say he's going to be the best of our lifetime, it's like, I, I, I don't know. We've seen a lot of good, but it's, it is exciting. And it is exciting to get a player of this ilk again in Chicago. Um, you know, I mean, it's just super exciting. I, I mean, to have all the hockey talking about your team is pretty cool. Just like when the bears uh, drafted, I mean, maybe better days are coming. Like I always say, you, we decided to create a podcast about Chicago sports during the worst stretch of Chicago sports <laughs> when it comes to actual win percentage. Yes. Probably that I can remember. Uh, well, maybe that's the perfect time to do a sports talk show about Chicago sports. Cause then people actually get to hear the real side of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how honest you're actually going to be. Cause we, I don't think we've given really anybody a glimmer of hope when it comes to some of these teams that aren't performing very well, like the Chicago white Sox. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I like the fact that we we're doing this now because nobody can call us front runners, um, you know, and, and it's just for me, it's one of those things where it's just like people get to actually hear how we feel about the abysmal state of sports here in Chicago and the abysmal state of ownership here among our teams here in Chicago. But back to Connor Bedard, like I've I sent you one of his goals where two defenders collapsed on him as he entered into the offensive zone and as they collapsed, he just turned sideways and split them and dumped the puck to his own stick to put the puck in the back of that. It, it was one of the most ridiculous goals I've ever seen. And the thing about Connor Bedard, when I started really doing research on this guy, you know, he played in the WHL, the WHL put uh, the most draft picks into the first round again this year and it's a very good league it's a very competitive league a very competitive league in which Connor Bedard scored 147 points in 53 games like, like Nintendo stuff like it was it's absolutely insane to me that this guy had 70 he had 74 goals but not just the 74 goals 71 assists 71 assists. This guy just does not just shoot the puck well, but he passes the puck well. He sees the puck very well. He sees the ice very well. 
people are like, oh, well, he's only five foot ten. He's only, you know, he's a small guy. He's not going to, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to translate into the NHL. If he gets hit, he's going to get hurt. The problem is you can't catch him to hit him. He is fast as hell. And this guy knows how to slip defenses. I don't think you're going to have any problem with Connor Bedard in the NHL. I think he's going to start day one for you at 18 years old. He's going to start day one for you. He's going to be alongside the two guys that they just got from Boston and Taylor Hall and uh, uh, can't pronounce this guy's last name. I think it's for Rignu. But Lou? No, not for Rignu. For Rignu. But they they pick up these two guys because they're both very aggressive forwards. They will hit you. And it's going to be, and I don't want to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not saying Wayne Gretzky. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Wayne Gretzky, but he's going to get Wayne Gretzky treatment from his teammates. He's going to be protected. If you lay a finger on him, you're going to have to pay the price. And that's what it's going to be with Connor Bedard. I'm, I'm going to set the over under for you. And you tell me what, if I'm crazy or not, I'm going to set the over under at 40 goals. This season? This season. What did Kane score in his first season? Do we know? Get the production staff on that. <laughs> I, I will. I'll, while I look that up, go ahead. Give me your thoughts. Over under 40. Oh, boy. That's one every other game, pretty much. Yeah. I'm going to go under. Stamp, stamp the time. 9.50 and stamp it. He averaged 1.6 goals per game his entire career so far. Yeah, playing against kids. So we're... Well, you know what, though? He's also playing against the same kids that he's going to be playing against in the NHL. You get what I'm saying? Like he's he's going to be playing against other guys as well. But as he grows, as his career grows, he's going to be playing against these guys that he's been playing against because these older guys are going to leave the league as he comes up. And this leads into two points that that I was thinking about when I was thinking. I've been thinking about this since he got drafted. Well, it's just two days ago. But one being how important it is a, ho- a great hockey player the least in- impactful on a team in sports? You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, the most important player in sports is in American sports is a quarterback. And then maybe you got a basketball player after that, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably, you're, you know, your main scorer in basketball. And then maybe a starting pitcher, possibly. Yeah. Especially Shohei Itani, which we yeah. could talk about. We got we to gotta mention him later. Starting pitcher and best offensive player on his team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and then maybe a hockey player with having four lines. Five lines sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, maybe playing the most minutes they play. I mean, Duncan Keith used to play a ridiculous amount of minutes, but no one does that. I don't think anymore in hockey. They didn't even when he was playing. I mean, when he when he was in his prime. Uh, yeah. I'm just I mean, saying, what, the what average amount of minutes is like about, I, I believe it's like 18, 19 yeah. minutes on ice. I was going to yeah. say 20 minutes. Yeah. 
how impactful can he be for this team this year too? I mean, if he has those 40 goals, how impactful is it? Are they out of the top five? I mean, do they have another down season where they're, you know, they get a top 10 pick in the draft again, and you have two draft picks back to back kind of like, yeah, is it 06 and 07. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Kane was picked in 07. He played as a 19 year old coming up in the league which I still think going out and getting Patrick Kane to bring back to this Blackhawks team, not only would that appeal to your fan base, but it would be a great move for somebody uh, along with Taylor Hall to help bring along this kid as a young draft pick. Um, And just to go back to your, your previous question, Patrick Kane scored 21 goals his rookie year, had 51 assists, 72 total points. He's only scored 40 goals or more twice in his career. I would say 40 is a little high. All right. So let me change it up a little bit. Over under 75 points. Patrick Kane scored 72 his rookie year. With this team, although it's not like they're getting better, a great team. And they just picked up one of the top goalies in the draft as well. I'm Actually, still the go, top I'm goalie still in the going draft. Under. You're still going under. I'm still going under. Mm. I just don't know, and I think I don't like the cut of your jib, sir. That's heaped <laughs> on him. I mean, I'm sure his parents are proud, but I'm sure his parents are a little scared too. But he's going to be mean, playing with Taylor Hall on the same damn line. It's just a little much. Like, I mean, there, some people are calling him like the best draft pick in freaking NHL history, possibly. Yeah. I mean, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Well, you you have to, right? Like uh, on any when you start in, and I've always hated this throughout the history of sports. This kid's been in the limelight. He's been touted as the number one pick in his draft class since he was 12. Since he was 12 years old he's been in the spotlight and and no yeah it's it's lebron james it's kobe bryant it's it's these guys that have come out knowing they were going to be great now when you look back at a guy like patrick kane and jonathan taves they were really good prospects but they weren't this they weren't this guy and i'm not saying that the this kid needs to live up to be Wayne Gretzky, you know, the second coming of Wayne Gretzky, as, as I've heard actual, you know, all of these, these people that are getting fired on ESPN talk about, <laughs> I I've heard him compared to Wayne Gretzky. I, I can't do that to an 18 year old kid because when you are touted at that level and let's say he comes out on, let's say the Blackhawks don't make any more moves. Let's say they are a mediocre team again. I don't believe that they will be. I've already come out and said I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. But let's say he does play on a mediocre team and he does only have 45 points. And you compare that to what Patrick Kane did his rookie year. You compare that to what Jonathan Taves did their rookie year. And all of a sudden, instead of being Wayne Gretzky and, and having all this hype about you, all of the questions are going to be surrounded around what is wrong with you. Are you a bust? Yeah. How does he live up to it? Or if he's just, you know, okay. If he does have like 60 or 65 and people are just like, meh. Yeah. Like what is, what's it going to do to this kid's psyche? Like who knows? Yeah. 
you know, yeah. uh, hopefully he's got, you know, a good support uh, in his family and maybe some friends and, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I mean, the, the, the male brain does not mature until you're 25. I mean, that's yeah. the problem here. And he's going to, what, is he 18? He, he's 17 now. He's 17 now. Probably he'll be 18 by the season starts. When the season yep. starts. Yeah. I mean, that's super young. <laughs> this kid is this kid is younger. He's the same age as my second son. <laughs> like he's younger than my oldest son. Oh my god! It, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. it's one of those like I'm on and I'm on the bandwagon. This kid is younger than my oldest son. I just ordered his jersey. <laughs> like like this kid is is that exciting he is that fun to watch i watched him play in the world juniors i watched the world junior tournament i watched a lot of these kids that they drafted play in the world junior tournament which is why i'm very very excited about a couple of these kids they took i, th- I think oliver moore might be every bit as good if not better than jonathan taves as a blackhawk i think uh, adam gajan the the goalie that they picked up i think he is going to be a stud he's going to be that stand on your head goalie that that the hawks have needed for quite some time since you know they last won the cup in 2015 but this kid connor bedard is so exciting that he's just there's a buzz as soon as the hawks got that number one draft pick everybody in the city was on the website looking for season tickets i was on there looking for season tickets like he creates that type of buzz I just I I'm not going to compare him to any player and, and I wouldn't do that to him. And I just want him to be Connor Bedard. I want him to keep doing the things that he's done to get him to this point, because I think if he does that. You're going to see that guy like I love listening to Eddie Olchek talk about him on the radio because Eddie Olchek says the same thing. Hey, look, I think that this kid has a shot that is already NHL ready. And I have thought that for two years, he said. He said, the problem is I want to see you do it for 30 days in the NHL before I anoint you. I want to say, if you come to me after 30 days and he's still doing everything and I still see that same shot from him, I will tell you he's probably got the best shot in the NHL. That's how good his shot is. That's how good the puck comes off of his stick. Speaking of shot, this is well, the play you were talking about. I'd like to watch it again. <laughs> it is the play. For those of you that are hearing us on podcast form. He just splits two defenders. Bernard pokes it to center, trying to split the defense. He does. He's all alone. Bernard scores! Have you ever seen Slapshot? Yes. That reminds me of the play where the two guys go to hit the player and they hit each other. That's exactly what that reminds me of because he just slips them. They both go to hip check them at the same time, and then they end up hip checking each other, basically, as he slips through and, and puts that puck in the back of the net. This kid's the real deal. I just want him to be himself. I, I don't want to compare him to Patrick Kane. I don't want to compare him to, to you know, Connor McDavid, who, you know, has been insane since he was this highly touted. Or, what if he is Patrick Kane? What if he's Patrick Kane? Is that a bad thing? I no, mean, is no. he going to get ripped for that? For that, that? Well, I would thing. think at this point he would. He's got to be better than Patrick King. Does he or does he just have to win? Does he have to? Like, let me, if he wins three cups, just like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves won, and he has a very good Hall of Fame type career, 
just like Patrick Kane. He doesn't have to be better than Patrick Kane. Oh, like, yeah, to me, I, no. I'm, I'm judging him based off of how the Blackhawks do from, you know, 2023 and on until the time that he is no longer a Blackhawk. That's how I am judging Connor Bedard's career. I'm not judging him based off how many points do you have, you know, compared to Patrick Kane. How many points do you have compared to Jonathan Taves? How many points do you have compared to this guy, Connor McDavid, or or even, um, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby? I'm not comparing you to the guys that you've been compared to. I'm comparing you to you. How much do you bring to this city? How much do you bring to this franchise? How much do you bring to the madhouse on Madison when I am sitting my butt in my seat to come see you play? What am I remembering when I leave the stadium? That's how, because I remember every game that I've been to since I've been back since 2019, every game that I've been to that I've been back for the Blackhawks. I remember something about Patrick Kane because he always did something that made you go, holy shit. And he always made you remember something. And that's just what Patrick Kane does. And and I think that this kid is going to be the same way. I think he's just always going to do something. It might not be something. It might even be in a loss. You know, because that, for me, when I'm watching, like, I'm watching, I, I don't know. I watch things differently when I'm watching hockey. Maybe it's because I played and I refed, so I, I just have a different perspective of it. But, like, I'm not just watching does the puck go in the back of the net. I'm watching, you know, what did you do when you made that feed? How did you make that guy miss? What did you do here? What did you do? Those are the things that I'm looking at. And that's what I'm going to be looking for from Connor Bedard. And that's the things that I've already seen from him, even at the junior level. I've never seen a kid this good at that level ever. Really? Yeah, dude, I've I've, I've coached in the junior level. That's the thing. If, this is, if he is, let's say he's, Kane, you know, Kane, uh, I would think that what people are saying that would be falling short. This is America. We got Fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, people are going to say that he wasn't as good as he could have been. People are going to say that, and why isn't he as good as he as he could have been? Yeah, but he, I think you have to you have to lower your. You can't expect this. You cannot go out there comparing this kid to Wayne Gretzky is like having. A 17-year-old come up into the league like Kobe Bryant, like LeBron James, and immediately comparing him to Michael Jordan. And that's all we've heard. All we've heard ever since those guys come up is, what do you do compared to Michael Jordan? What do you do? You're not this. You're not that. Dude, if you are called one of the top five, top 10, top 15, top 20 greatest players of all time, that is not a slight to say that you're not Wayne Gretzky at the end of your career is not a slight. To say that you are second to Wayne Gretzky after your career is just as good as saying you're better than Wayne Gretzky at the end of your career because that is the greatest of all time. You can't compare a kid to the greatest hockey player of all time, even though I don't have Wayne Gretzky on my list at number one, just so everybody is clear of that. I've said that for a long time. Wayne Gretzky is not the greatest player of all time. Fight me, email me message me whatever you got to do Wayne Gretzky is not the greatest player of all time but Joe <laughs> you he every record every scoring record he he well right he was he's the greatest offensive player of all time to me he's a lot like so i compare him to a guy like Derek Jeter people talk all day long about Derek Jeter Derek Jeter was a great offensive player he was very overrated defensively yes not rangy enough would did not have enough range would not play 
shortstop past his 30th birthday in this league. And and that's why, for me, Wayne Gretzky is not the greatest player of all time because he was not a defensive player. My favorite memory of Wayne Gretzky was actually at the old Chicago Stadium when Chris Chelios put him through the glass and he landed on his wife's lap. <laughs> that was the greatest Wayne Gretzky moment of all time to me. Uh, Wayne Gretzky is not. There, there's a reason why we have a Gordie Howe hat trick. Gordie Howe is the greatest player of all time. Okay. I'm sorry. I did. I've said it. I've said it before. What's, I've actually uh, argued it on another remind podcast. Remind me because I forget. What's Gretzky's nickname? The great one. <laughs> he was the great one. He's not, but he wasn't the greatest one. <sighs> you know, it, it, you're more. I'll, I'll take your word over it for hockey, but the guy was just dynamic. I mean, when you when you shatter records like he did, it doesn't matter if you're a two way player. I mean, it kind of doesn't, right? But I'll it take does, your word though. for it this time. It does, because to me, when you're talking about the greatest of all time, you have to be able to do it on both ends of the court. You've got to be able to do it on both ends of the ice, both ends of the court, both ends of the field. You can't just be a one way player. Yeah, I mean, you just can't. That is what Jordan did. I mean, That's why I think at the end of his career, Shohei Otani is going to be regarded as the greatest player of all time. I really do. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't compare you. You can't compare Michael him Jordan to of, any player in American any sport sports. ever. No, he's he's the Michael Jordan of American sports right now. Because when Michael yeah. Jordan came out, no one did it like that. I mean, you had Doctor J, I guess, but who's I would argue. I would Dr. argue at the end J. of his career, he might be bigger than Michael Jordan. He could be. He could be. Because I, mean, he, I think some people forget he came into the league a little bit later, which is not his fault. I understand. And right. And then he had Tommy John surgery, which is not his fault. I understand. But longevity matters in sports. It matters to me. It does. And, but and when you put it in a, it for a long time, he can't he, do it for five, six years. He can't well, like just fade away after this year. And they're really. If you do it at an elite level, the way he's doing it now, and he does this, what he's doing now, he's a pitcher who leads major league baseball in home runs. Mm -hmm. And he is also in the top five in Cy Young. Like, it's not just that he's a pitcher and he can hit, but he's a, an elite pitcher and an elite hitter. And to put it into sports context, I, I've uh, you know seen it all over the place. That's like Patrick Mahomes being Joey Bosa on the defensive end of it. Like Patrick Mahomes throwing touchdowns, doing everything he does offensively, and then being an edge rusher and being Joey Bosa good. Or that's like a guy being one of the best right fielders in the league and one of the best running backs in football. No, because it's two different sports. I that's even more impressive. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean I, are you uh, going I mean, to Bo I, Jackson? I, my point being, he's still in his Bo Jackson era, where if it yes. ends here, he's Bo Jackson. If he plays another mm. five, ten years, yes, he's the best player of all time. But I need to see. That's why you need to see the longevity. What if he does it for another five, ten years in a Cubs uniform? Will you still care? Unbelievable. It's never gonna happen. So I mean we can dream. It's never gonna happen. It's gonna happen. But crazy. <laughs> so we talked about Connor Badara. Let's talk about the, the Blackhawks as a whole. This draft for me, and I texted you this earlier, and you sent me back a meme that said, How about no? <laughs> Not sure how much you were kidding about that, but I think that the Blackhawks dominated this draft. Not only did I thought they won it a long time ago once they got the number one pick because they were yeah. getting Connor Bedard, but the pick of Oliver Moore, 
the fastest player that a lot of people have ever seen end to end on skates. This kid from the U S national team was, is just a sight to see. He's fast as hell. You can't catch him. And to have him running the second line, you know, with Connor Bedard, um, you know, running the first line is going to be fun to watch. The goalie they picked in the third round, Adam Gajan. I watched this kid play in the in the uh, junior national tournament. He was a starting goaltender over there, and he was a stud. I mean, just an absolute stud. I think that this team is going to be very good. They're going to be a playoff team this year. In the next three years, we're going to be watching them hoist a cup again. I'm saying it right now. In the next three years, we're going to be watching them hoist a cup. Yes. Oliver Moore, uh, the the Russian kid, the two Russian kids, I should say, that they picked up, Kantsarov uh, uh, and uh, Miziak. Those two kids are just out of this world good. Out of this world good. And, and you know, Kantsarov, I, I just said I don't like comparing him to another player, but he's another guy who could be a Marion Hosa type player for you, just like Marion Hosa was for the Blackhawks when he came to the team. Like just one of those guys who is just a presence for you. And he's one of those guys who can be physical, one of those guys who can score, one of those guys who can pass. He's just an all around player. I really liked what the Hawks did from their first pick all the way down to, I believe they had 12 picks in this draft. They were ridiculously good and on point. And I don't think there was another team that came close. I know um, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets had a really good um, draft as well. Do them Fantilli j- dropping third to them um, was a godsend for the Columbus Blue Jackets and sucks for the Blackhawks because we've got to deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets in our division. Um, but watching, we're also going to get to watch Connor Bedard versus Fantilli for the next 10 years. And those were the guys who were consensus one and two. And it was one of those where even I had said it, I would have been okay if the Hawks landed Fantilli. Fantilli played 30 games at, um, at Michigan. And he too had uh, 53 goals and something like 27 assists. So it's not like this kid is just a, a scrub. Um, He played on the world team with Connor Bedard, the Canada national team in the junior Olympics. Um, So, I really, I really liked what the Hawks did in this draft, and I'm really excited for the future. I really do. I'm telling you right now, within three years, the Hawks are going to be lifting a cup. Three years. Yes. When we had Johnny Supan on, who's now the coach uh, or the assistant coach of the Crown Point High School uh, hockey team, which is a pretty damn good team. A lot of those kids go to colleges. He he went to MSU. It's a great hockey college, uh, said five years. Now, he didn't know at the time the Hawks would have Connor Bedard. And that's where my calculus, like, that's where I want to see what's the calculus here. Does Connor Bedard shrink that two years or at least a year? Let's say four years it was going to be. Does he shrink that by a year? Can one player in hockey do that? 
I, I think it's it's more than just the one player, though. I yeah. think had they got, gotten Connor Bedard and then just shit the bed the rest of the draft and, and not gotten anybody that, that could help them along the way, I think it would be a different story. But the fact that they got Bedard, Moore, Gajan, Kansarov, Miziak, um, they had another kid out of the OHL. Um, can't remember his name. It was funny because, oh, that's what it, I always remember. It's Lardis. Because when, when they said his name, I thought of Lardass. And so <laughs> I... I the, watch stand by me. Yes. Yes. Great that's where. Yeah. Great <laughs> flick. Um, but that's, that's what I think went from five years to three years. All of those guys at one with just Connor Bedard, maybe it shrinks by a year, but with all of those players, I, I think that it's within three years, we're going to be watching this team hoist a cup. And if not hoist, a cup, they're at least going to be in the finals. If they don't win it, they'll, they'll at least be there and they're going to be there for quite some time. I, I, they're going to be a force and we're going to be watching another team where year in and year out, we're expecting them to be in the playoffs and competing for a Stanley cup, much like we did with the Blackhawks starting in 2010. It's definitely, I mean, the arrow has got to be up. There's only one way, you know, they're kind of like the bears in that way. Uh, you know, did they have a better draft than the Bears? I don't know. It's football so different. And with that, I, I think they absolutely, I think the Bears. They actually used the number one pick. I think they fleeced. Yeah, <laughs> I think they fleeced. The Bears didn't really need the number one pick. Uh, you know, they weren't getting a quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a good draft from everything I've heard, seen, read. Um, it looks like a great – and they got needs. I mean, the Bears arguably – did not get all the needs that they had to get. I would have liked to see them get, you know, maybe a, a center, like you said. I do agree with that. Or they, they they had the least amount of sacks in the league. You don't even really get an edge rusher. You kind of got a guy, but not really. <laughs> not 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 at the top of the draft. So that's going to be a problem if they don't sign somebody here. They're going to. Ngakwe. Ngakwe. I've got it on. I. I I've got a good feeling about it. Really I this. keep hearing it. I keep hearing it everywhere. Every there's always something. And I actually just saw a story on ESPN. I think it was it was either ESPN or CBS that said Ngakwe to the Bears makes the most sense for both sides. His consistency among because you know about edge rushers, very few guys come into the league and just have 15 sacks. They're for, yeah. It takes a little while to work up to that. And his consistency over his first three or four years. Um, is on par with with some of the top um, rushers in the history of the NFL, right? Or not? Um, yeah. So it'd be great to have him, and even if he has nine, ten sacks, that's a plus. That's half of their sack output last year. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So, so yeah, the Hawks they picked up uh, five centermen. Uh, they picked up uh, one, two, three, four, four wingers, a goalie, and a defenseman. Um. And I mean, they do need to shore up the defense. I think they're going to do that through free agency. Uh, they do have the second most cap in the NHL uh, this season. So I think they're going to address the defense uh, through free agency. And, you know, we're going to see where they go this year. I do think I do expect them to be a playoff team this year. Uh, it's just it's a matter of what do you do with the money that you have to spend? So mm -hmm. there's another team that is in an off season in the side of town. They actually play in the same building as the Blackhawks. It is the Chicago Bulls. And they just inked Nikola Vukovic to a three-year extension. 
who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, does this, this to me does not, it, it almost suggests, it almost suggests to me like, all right, let's sign all the players we've already had that have underachieved and we're just going to go with it again. That's just, yeah. Yeah. You know how, when you know how when you're, you're playing pickup game with your, with your friends or you're playing any game. Like I do, I do it with, with my wife when we're playing video games or something. If she happens to beat me, I would say, run it back, run it back. I want to, I want a rematch. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what it sounds like. That's what the bulls are doing. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it sound like another team from another sport? Do I have to even say which? I guess I do. <laughs> no, I know where you're going. White Sox to me. It does. It does. I mean, it, it's it's like you running it back again with that pillow in the window. <laughs> it's, <just> <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like... when we started, I was like, nah, I'm I'm staying with it. Yeah, stick with it. If it, if it works, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is this the Andrew Benatendi signing? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost yeah. the same money. And yeah. he got a few more years. Might be a little bit more impactful. You know, he's a new player. He wasn't with the Sox before, but I, the same. V- no Vukovic to a little me, bit of sprinkles. It it does nothing for this team. I mean, uh you need a point guard. You need a scorer. Yeah. You need to get rid of Zach Levine. You need two three-point shooters. How did they go through the draft? Man, three-point shooter, and you need a point guard who can shoot threes. How did they go through the first round of the draft, or at the draft in in general, and not move Zach Levine? How did they not get a first-round pick for Zach Levine? Like it made too much sense to everybody not to do it. A lot of people were were saying that it made a ton of sense for everybody involved because they want him so so much for them to for him to go to. Portland for the number three overall pick. And I just, to me, for the life of me, I don't understand another team that really wants him really bad that I'm hearing everywhere is the Sacramento Kings. How did you let it get to this point where you still have Zach Levine on your basketball? It is time to blow this thing up. And if not, maybe not even blow it up. All right, you already re-signed Vukovic. So what you said right now is you're about to build around this kid. And you think he's a part of your future. So what what can the Bulls do? I like I'm really I'm lost. I don't know what they do. I really don't. They've I already mean, said they don't expect Ball to be here next year. This is the team that they want. I mean, what in the history of the Bulls has shown you any different that this team does not want to go for it ever, really? I mean, what's the most, what's the craziest thing they've done? Maybe traded Butler, but everybody knew that was going to happen. And then Jimmy Buckets goes to the finals. <laughs> I mean, it, what have they done to show you that winning a championship is a top priority and not finishing seventh and going to the sixth game in a first series is what they want to happen? And then maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. It makes me wonder by the way we've talked about the White Sox with the, you know, they just feel like they can have anybody coach them and they can win, right? Like we just, we've talked about that. You've said it a couple of times over the last few weeks. Is it Jerry Krause's ego? Or Reinsdorf, I should say. Is it Jerry Reinsdorf's Jerry ego? Jerry Krause is dead. 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, Jerry Reinsdorf needs to die. Is it, is it, is it it Jerry Reinsdorf's ego on that doesn't allow these teams to get better? Is it Jerry Reinsdorf's ego? Is Jerry Reinsdorf really the one pulling the trigger saying, Hey, these are the guys that I want? These are the guys we're going to spend money. Like, I, because I can't imagine that Jerry Reinsdorf has hired two inept front offices to run his teams. He's not pulling the strings of there anymore i think it's michael isn't michael reinsdorf i I believe his son is actually you know making i guess those so he needs to die you want to kill us (laughs) what is if it means if it means that our teams can start succeeding again yes yeah i mean (laughs) i mean i i feel like the the um like they're they're basically their base is they want to finish like seventh or eighth or even sixth or even fifth in the league squeak into the playoffs and then maybe in the one in a million chance not million chance but in one in a thousand chance they catch lightning in a bottle and maybe do something in the playoffs whatever whatever happens i mean they don't want to they're 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 preset is like let's just you know finish seventh or eighth or sixth like and and there's also ego there too i mean there's there's ego pervading through both of these organizations where they think they're smarter than everybody else obviously vucevic is going to suddenly be something different than he was the last couple of years should they be all in on fred van vliet 29 years old he's point guard you you know you know for a fact ball is not playing this year. You don't know if he's ever going to play again. What is going on with both of these organizations, I, you have yeah. a point guard out for two and a half years. Do they have the same strength and conditioning coaches? Uh, probably. <laughs> they think they're strengthening and conditioning them. No, well, no, the strength and conditioning coach for the for the bulls thinks that he's conditioning them for baseball and vice versa (laughs) that's what's happening i mean what is going on maybe maybe that's how jerry reinsdorf gave the guys money to go spend on players they he said sure you can go spend money on players but we need to have the same trainers on both teams to save money we can't pay two trainers i just don't get it I mean, two and a half years after all the stuff that happened with Derrick Rose, after all the stuff that happened with Luol Deng, this is still happening. Yes. And it's and like, he like setback after setback. Like I, I don't understand. Do you, do you what the issue is? Movie Little Nicky. Yes. Where Adam Sandler is the devil's son. Mm-hmm. And the devil goes to torture Hitler, and they're shoving pineapples up his ass. Yes. Hitler points to the small pineapple. Yeah, we're getting the big pineapple every time. <laughs> the devil says, "No, no, no, the big pineapple." <laughs> we're getting the big pineapple every damn time with both. I mean, it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, we're finally seeing what would happen if Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez stayed healthy in a lineup. Well, that's why I'm asking if they should go after Fred Van Vliet because yeah. I, I, I don't. Does it matter? Or Damian Lillard? Every point guard Damian we get Lillard, ends up hurt. Boulder. That Damian yeah, Lillard but, thing. That's whew. Dame's going to Miami. I bet. Probably. I bet he goes to Miami. Boy, that would I, be a dynamic team. Yeah, I've also I've also heard Houston. 
as a landing spot for him. But I, I don't like I. Realistic, I mean, Fred Van Vliet, is, you'd have to trade for Dame. Fred Van Vliet is an unrestricted free agent. I I don't know that it matters. I really don't. Because they don't just need just a point guard. They need a point guard. They need a two. They need a three. <laughs> they need a four. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and they just, they just signed half of a five. So I don't. I, this does not move the needle for me. The Bulls, to me, are... We're going to be watching a team that battles it out for, you know, a a play-in spot year after year after year. You're never putting pieces together like the Mavericks or the Celtics or the Miami Heat. They're never... In, bas- in basketball, it's not like other sports. You have to have, like, a three- or four-year plan where you're where you're... There's so many machinations to make sure that you're getting a player that hasn't even like maybe even blossomed yet. But you think if he does, we want to be in the conversation for that. Right. They, they, you know, uh, fell into it with the whole LeBron sweepstakes, which they were never really in. They, yep. they, that was just by accident that that happened. But they're <laughs> never, there's never, there's no machinations going on to where you go. Oh yeah, you know. Okay, well, you know, in a couple years they're doing stuff to where in a couple years they'll be good, right. or they'll have a chance to be good at least. And if they don't get, you know, um, if they don't get the, you know, the main guy, they'll at least have a backup plan too, or they'll have enough cash. It's just, yeah, I don't. Um... I thought this regime was going to be a little different. Yeah, me too. So I wanna, I wanna show you something. Aries Spears um, kind of went off. If you don't know who Aries Spears is, he's an actor, comedian, um, and he had something to say about the Michael Jordan LeBron thing because you brought up the LeBron sweepstakes. So I'm gonna get your reaction to this. You ready? Mm-hmm. LeBron fan, people think I'm not. I am. I recognize his greatness, but he ain't MJ. He's not fucking with MJ. And it's like people like to sit there and go, "Well, he's past this and this record and this record." Yeah, he's been in the game since high school. No breaks. Like Jordan, two years off of baseball. No breaks. You know, Jordan quitting when he didn't want to quit the second time around, but the Jerry's broke up the fucking team. LeBron has been in it since high school with no breaks. And as long as he continues to stay around, yeah, he's going to pass every fucking record. He's been around long enough. And keep in mind, Michael Jordan, when he came into the league, took a bunch of coke-infested bulls that were bums <laughs> and lost to the uh, Boston Celtics, who at the time had five Hall of Famers. That's the game when Michael scored 63 in Boston Garden, where the, where the Celtics only lost two games all season. And Larry Bird said he's God disguised as Michael. I'm a LeBron. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's hard for me not to agree, and it's hard for people to understand who didn't live through it and are now maybe 25, 30 to what Michael Jordan was. Uh, it, it's just hard uh, when you see just the difference between him and the talent of, of the rest of the league and what I think he would do in this league yeah. scoring-wise. First of all, he'd be 40% from the three-point line for sure. It was just something you didn't really prioritize back then because it was better to get an easy two. You're the first one that I've heard say that. Everybody, that is everybody's go to is that Jordan could not shoot 
from the outside like LeBron. That's 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 the one argument everybody's always brought to me. It's a different game. You're hand checking yeah. guys at the three point line in 1989. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't prioritized. Every season he added something to his game because he knew he was losing something on the other end. Right. And he didn't have a 48 inch vertical leap for his entire career, which is ridiculous, by the way. No one has that. Let me play devil's advocate then, though. If you're saying that, you know, Jordan would adjust to this time period because it's a different game and it was a different game back then with LeBron's size and LeBron's strength, he would have been trained differently back then. He might not be a flopper. He might be a guy that that decides to choke you out, decides to clothesline you when you're coming through the lane, decides to go there, you know, as you're standing in the center, are you going to stand and take a charge from LeBron James? He is a big dude. And I trust me, I'm a Jordan guy. I'm all over. Jordan is, is way better than LeBron will ever be. I think Kobe's closer to Jordan than LeBron is. I, but if you play devil's advocate at that thing, I've, I've said that before in defense of LeBron, I will say that one thing is that had he been brought up during that time, he'd be a different player too. But would that take some other things away from him? Yeah. I mean, assuredly. And he, you could say what you want about any of this and it's really hard to have this conversation. It's two different generations, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm going to have it anyway, as I usually (laughs) do. Uh, The thing about it is, is, especially with this, is LeBron was never as dynamic a scorer as Jordan. He never was. I don't care about the three-point shot. Like I don't even know why we even had that conversation. It's a dumb conversation. You could practice yourself into 35% from the three-point line. Like You can. the, The athletes these guys are. But he was never his dynamic scorer. The first 10 years in the league, he was Magic Johnson, basically a better version of Magic Johnson. And he would tell you the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was never going to come into the league and be this dynamic scorer that Jordan was, scoring 40 points a game, you know, uh, you know, averaging that pretty much every year. I mean, he was like 38, 37, some years, 39 other years. He was a premier facilitator, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he was... Uh, Jordan was just a dynamic scorer. Like, I don't know if LeBron would have come into the league and been a scorer like Jordan was. I mean, I know for sure he wouldn't have been, even if he did adjust his game and, and made more efficient shots. I, I, I don't think so. I, I And, yeah, I just I just think Jordan obviously quicker than him, got, yeah. got to the hole better than him. Like, LeBron, when he was in his 20s, was still doing that crab walk thing. Yeah, where he couldn't even get a shot up sometimes uh, at yep. the end of games. I mean, uh, he did me. And what has LeBron done other than his size that has revolutionized the game? I'm uh, nothing. I mean, he hasn't really revolutionized the game. I will say that, you know, I, I've seen him do some incredible things. That first Cavaliers team that he took to the finals. I mean, he he single handedly took them to the finals. I mean, he single-handedly did that. However, he also played an Eastern Conference that was just abysmal at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just no real good. I mean, you could say that the the Celtics, you know, were were pretty good back then with Paul Pierce and them. But that what he did in in that playoff run was phenomenal. He did single-handedly do that, something that Jordan's never really done. But he's just he's not that guy like he is he he's soft as feathers man he he really is a the guy i mean 
if you touch him, he's going down. If you don't touch him, he's going down. <laughs> if you come close to him, if you breathe on him, he's going down. Um, but he's also one of those guys. Like I remember when he had, he had he was sick or whatever, and he had cramps, and he had to get carried off the floor mm-hmm. by like four of his teammates. But remember when Jordan was sick and he went out and scored fifty points? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I I really. Do. I mean, it's really hard to play as many games as him. I, I don't really question his toughness. I, I don't get into those. I I think you got to do a lot for him, and the guy yeah. never really had any really huge scandals either oh he is a he is a much better person off the court than michael jordan (laughs) yeah much better (laughs) and but does he get through those piston teams just see that's that's where when people ask me that i'm like i i can't answer that not only is it just a different generation but he would have been trained differently he would have been, and I don't know if his body holds up because of how big he is, and the, the bigger guys in the NBA don't seem to be very healthy for very long. Um, but I just I I can't say that he wouldn't be a completely different player. I don't know that he would, like you said. I he came in as as a great facilitator, as a great passer, and he was the one knock I always had on him from the time he came up was he was never a guy who wanted the shot. He never wanted a ball in his hands late in the game. He was always looking to pass first. And that is something you would never see from Michael Jordan. Um, And Michael Jordan always wanted that shot from the time he was at North Carolina to the days of when he was with the wizards, he always wanted the ball in his hands and he wanted to be the guy. If you were going to beat me in my team, you had to beat me. Mm Mm-hmm. And LeBron's just never been that guy. LeBron is a, it, it, you know, Jordan. Jordan expected more from his teammates, and Jordan made his teammates better. And Jordan, you could see Jordan get, you know, very vocal with his teammates, but he never showed him up kind of the way that LeBron does either. Plus, Jordan took things personally. He yeah. Killer. If you've messed with him, man. Oh, yeah. Jordan will wait for you in the locker room. Hammer you. Right. I mean, other opposing team players. That's where he got his motivation. Some guy would make a comment that wasn't even like really against Jordan. Right. He'd take him out. Well, yeah. Could you imagine if, if oh, I forget his name, who was the, the guy that they had on their team uh, that forgot how much time was left in the NBA finals game? And just threw a shot up there with like seven seconds to go. And he thought that the time was running out and he just threw an air ball and it was the other team's ball. I forget what scene, but if that was Jordan, like LeBron threw his hands up in the air and walked away and walked to the bench and just completely showed his. If that was Jordan, Jordan <laughs> probably blocks the shot that his teammate is trying to take <laughs> and grabs the ball. And yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's a different it's a different thing. It, it's a different, different world. We'll never know, you know, how LeBron would have been in that era. We'll never know how Jordan would be in this era. But what I do know is that when it comes to that killer instinct and that will to win, and that just always wanting to be number one and that desire to be the best, it's Michael Jordan one. It's Kobe Bryant two. Um, and, and on my list of top five all-time NBA players, it, it, it goes Jordan, Wilt, um, Kareem, and then Kobe. I have, I have, no, I have LeBron seventh. Oh boy. 
Yeah, and I it's just to again it's it's just taking everything into account. Things that I've watched, like it just the flopping for me knocks him down behind a couple of guys. Hmm. It just does. It it kills me watching these guys flop. Kills me. I I can't wait until they're gonna. In, uh, they're talking about instituting a rule, um, that calls a flagrant for flopping. They'll be and it's going to be replayable, yeah, I mean, so they're going to be able to go to replay. And if you flopped, it's going to be a flagrant. And if you flop a second time, guess what? You're out of the game. So I, to me, I I like it. I like it. I I hate the flopping in the game. I don't like what the NBA has become either. That's a, I watch very little NBA now. Uh, just because to me it's too watered down. It's just like you said. I mean, these guys realize that, you know, hey, I might go 40% from three. So if I chuck out, chuck up 83s, I'm still beating you 120 to, <laughs> to yeah. 110. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. So it, I, I just, to me, it's not, I don't know. It's not the same game. So I just, I, I just don't care for it. I'd rather yeah, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to talk some some White Sox, some Cubs. Do you want to do your fist gibberish real quick? Just really quick. <laughs> really quick. Or hey, do it really quick. Will it be as quick as a Lance Lynn lead? Uh, probably. All right. Welcome, friends, to Fitz Gibberish, a diatribe conspiracy, and an island in the middle of uh, unapologetic and mostly inaccurate sports talk. Yes. My partner over there, Combs, said it. We are talking about Lance Lynn. The Lance Lynn. For all of you who don't know who a two-outcome player is in baseball, I'll tell you. It's a better that he either hits a home run or walks. <laughs> There's really not in, in between. Maybe a double off the top of the wall. There used to be a handful of these players in the, in the MLB. Now, we have a lot of them. It used to be like Jim Tomey and Adam Dunn. But now we have a lot of those guys. Well, the Sox, always trying to innovate when it comes to pitching, have a two-outcome pitcher. Yes, Lance Lynn, who in the last two games has 23 strikeouts in two starts. That's pretty good. Had 16 strikeouts, had seven strikeouts just yesterday. The only problem is, is he gave up 10 goddamn home runs. <laughs> 10 home run. Mm. Yes. Yes. You could, you could say it's the pitch clock. Although he always moved pretty fast through the line up through it, through his pitches. And he without the pitch clock, he can't grab his balls three or four times an inning. Maybe he shouldn't scream so much after he gets an out or stare down a player when he has an error, when he has a 6.27 ERA, which is, I don't know, used to be the worst in the game, probably still the worst in the game. Another problem is, is that Pedro Gofal did say the other day that the big guy might be getting tired. The big guy might need, might need to take a start off. Too bad that they just played Shohei Atani who hit three home runs in the series, maybe four. I might be off back by a home run. What's one home run between friends, huh? Uh, they just played him, who had three home runs in the series, and, oh, yeah, started a game where he only gave up one run in seven innings. 
Is Shohei Itani tired? Granted, he's a little bit younger than Lance Lynn, but he plays. He eats more salads. He eats more salads. Give this man a steak, for Christ's sake. <laughs> what is going on with the Chicago White Sox in this, in the series coming up? Michael Kopech, 25 years old. Guess what he's doing for the coming uh, upcoming series against the Oakland Athletics? He's not pitching because he's tired. He only has 85 innings pitched. <laughs> Joey Atani, I think, has over 80 innings pitch. He's going to be starting. He was in the game down 11-3. to three. And he leads the majors in home runs. And he leads the majors. Hit, not giving up. <laughs> in home runs. We talked about conditioning with these ba- with these teams. You got one guy who needs a start off, a 25-year-old getting another start off. Mm-hmm. My question is... Are our pitchers in this league and in Major League Baseball, are pitchers the most primped, the most coddled athletes in sports? That's my question. And that's Fitz gibberish. My friends. Well, I like it. Um, the other day I was watching the game. They gave Lance Lynn a lead. I was like, all right, well, maybe, maybe Lynn will have a good game. And then he faced seven batters and gave up three home runs. In those seven batters. Yeah. Now, granted, they did come back. They did end up winning the game. Well, after that, and That's he pitched thing. well after that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to ask you a question here in a second. But right after he gave up that third home run, I sent you a text message, and it was a guy, a picture of a guy doing a push up on a mountain on a, the tiniest rock on the mountain at the edge of the cliff. It was a picture of the Snow King airlift in Jackson, Wyoming, that in the 1980s would go up 936 feet without a seatbelt. And there's a picture of a woman and her child where she's just got her arm across the child as if that would help (laughs) if this wind 936 feet in the air doesn't knock her off. It was a Black Widow spider, and it was a picture of a grenade a gun, a knife, in a dump truck, Tonka truck, the ones that you said bash your shins off of. And I said, the one thing these things all have in common is that they're all safer than a lead with Lance Lynn. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Would you, and this is a legitimate question, on Lance Lynn's starts, would you consider going with an opener? It's certainly not a bad idea. He had four or five miles an hour on his fastball by the third or fourth inning. And his stuff was jumping around. He was hit the spots. He was the old Lance Lynn. I, I, I don't get what's happening. in the, I mean, a lot of pitchers have trouble with the first couple innings, but every single game and this bad. Yeah. Three home runs and seven at bad. That's not the first time this has happened this season. Like, what is going on with your pregame? Right. With your pregame burrito. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people, the argument always against an opener is well, if you got a guy who struggles in the first inning, isn't hit the, the second or third inning when he comes into the game the same as the first inning because it's his first inning? And sure, I get the logic in that, but at the same time, if you're expecting him to throw, let's say, 30 pitches in the first two innings, 15 pitches per inning, that's you know, on a high end, that's you know, about where you want your pitcher at, 15 or below per inning you have him throw a bullpen session of 30 pitches you have him go out there and and 
pitch a simulated game for 30 pitches and then bring him in and have him on whatever an 80 count pitch timer so that he's at 110 pitches or whatever the case is. You do that and you do what you've got to do to get this guy out there. Now, I don't know who the Sox have that would be an opener or a good idea for an opener because they don't seem to have anybody in their bullpen that can hold the lead either. Um, But it seems to be a problem, a common problem with a lot of Sox pitchers. They are a a lot of the Sox pitching gets beat up and then settles down. It's been a problem for Dylan Cease this year. It's been a problem for Giolito this year. It's been a problem. And I don't know if an opener is the answer, but it's it's certainly a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, it's something. It's something out of the box. That'd be nice. Yeah. To do something out of the box. I, I I'm, You know, I'm all for it if it works and, and it makes this team a little bit better. You know, you got that Kenyon Middleton, Gregory Santos can do that. Those are becoming late inning guys. You know, uh, maybe you have, God, it would have to be a guy who pounds the strike zone. Um. Yeah. Other than those two guys, I I would trust one of those two guys to do it. Um. Yeah. You know. Uh. You know. Jesse Schulten's okay, but he he's he's going to be the opener for the Michael Kopech game coming up. Uh. So probably can't do it now. Maybe after the All Star break, you reset, and and you see what's going on. If they can win, what do they have left? Uh, I think about nine games. If they can win seven of nine. At the end, then then you reset and see what's going on uh, on the other end of the All Star break. Are, are you getting optimistic on me? No, 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 no. Seven out of nine. If, if you were talking about them losing seven playing, out of nine, I'd playing, listen. You're playing St. Louis. You're playing. Who's gotten better? They're, I mean, they're, they yeah. they still got Arenado yeah. and and Paul Goldschmidt. They can hit. They can't. They can't. I, trust me. I want you guys to sweep them. I do. They can hit for you. They can't pitch. You you probably get two out of three there. I hope so. And you should sweep um, Oakland. Should sweep Oakland. I forgot who's in the sandwich, but they're who's in the sandwich series there. But they're you know they're not world beaters either. Uh, two out of you know sweep Oakland. Two out of three. Two out of three. Why not? No, I think that's it. I think you just have Oakland and then. Um, oh wait, no. There's got to be somebody else in there, right? Because you got. All the way up until next Sunday. I mean, I'm pulling it up as we speak. Our our, our production team is opening up right. Now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, you do have, you know, you take a couple. Even if you take three series, six out of nine in this Toronto, day, Toronto. Yeah, who who yeah. hasn't been very good? Who's been year. struggling? Yeah, yeah. And, and I want you guys to beat their ass too, so Matt Chapman can come to the north side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think you might be able to get two out of three with them. Uh, Hard hitting ball club though, pretty tough yeah. at home. Uh, but you go back home for six games after this Oakland series. So you feel good about these next nine games? Will that happen? I, I don't know. But they're two and zero oh in the second half of the season. They're going to lose two out of three this weekend <laughs> to <laughs> Oakland. <laughs> that's just what they. I mean, that's that's what they do. They tend to. I mean, they they. <sighs> Every time I want to believe in this team, every time I want to say, hey, look, they're in a stretch where they can sort of turn things around here and things can happen, it blows up in my face. So I'm just I'm going to go the opposite end of the spectrum here and say they're going to shit the bed go over these next better. nine games. They're going to uh, four and five. Yeah, just four enough to where they're still in the conversation, four and five or five. Yeah, or, or five and four. I can believe that. Where, where do you what do you think? 
so obviously they're they're going to most likely 95 percent sure they're going to be sellers at the deadline mm-hmm. and the seller they're going to try to get rid of contracts that are expiring because you're you're not going to get a lot in return for some of these pieces that you want you expect lucas giolito to be gone i expect mm-hmm. lucas giolito to be gone what do you expect to see in return for a guy like lucas giolito prospect mid mid-range prospect and so all you're getting die. back is mid-range prospects yeah i mean he's, he's for a half a year left for a guy who's got upper three era what else are you going to get probably a third starter on a on a good team yeah i'd say that's probably what you're going to get a mid-range prospect that has some upside would you be happy with and and i've said this before as a possible trade partner the cubs if I told you the Cubs wanted Lucas Giolito, Aaron Bummer, and um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, God, the guy you guys got from the Dodgers. Oh, God. Oh, what, Joe Kelly? Joe Kelly, sorry. So Joe Kelly, Aaron Bummer, and Lucas Giolito for Brennan Davis and a couple of other prospects. Do you think that's more than what you would get anywhere else for Lucas Giolito? That seems that seems okay. You, you texted me that the other day. That that seems okay with me. I mean, uh, it basically though waves the white flag because you're taking away some decent pieces in your bullpen, and now you got a spot in the rotation you need to fill with with a young guy. So that basically, you know. Shows you the white flag. You might as well try to trade Timmy, but Timmy's at an all-time low right now. Yeah, you're not going to get much for him. But on the Cubs side of town, if if we may, mm-hmm. I I can run it back. But but on Tuesday we talked. I said, "Yep, if your team after they make this big trip to London, all the hoopla, you know, long trip." Uh, you know, you're in London. Maybe they had a little fun in London. You never know. They come back. They get swept. What do you think about the London trip? You said, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I still don't like the trip, whether they sweep Phillies or get swept. Now they've been swept. They mm-hmm. won today. Yes. Good game. Had a lot of good hits. Whatever. But they got swept by the Phillies. And they've reignited Philly Nation. What? What are your thoughts now? Well, let's back it up a little bit. So the Phillies kind of found their groove probably about two weeks ago, right? They took three out of four from the Diamondbacks, who were one of the better teams in the National League heading into that series. They took uh, two out of three from the Dodgers right before that. Then they swept Oakland like they should have. They had a game postponed in Atlanta, but they did lose two to Atlanta. They took two out of three from the Mets and then swept the Cubs. So the Phillies have been playing really good ball. They've been playing hot ball. And I don't think that it's a matter of, I don't think it's, I don't think it's jet lag. I don't think it's the London series that has affected them. I think it's the fact that they ran into a hot, team at a time where they just weren't hitting they just didn't hit in that series and then they came out today and put up 10 runs on i asked about the sweep (laughs) sir 
<laughs> and then they put up 10, 10 runs on the Cleveland Guardians today. They, I knew it was going to be about today's game. That's well, all no, you want to no, talk because about. Because putting it in perspective. No, 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 no. They get swept and they win right, one You don't want to talk about today because the Sox are going to lose to Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it in perspective of they went into a series against a team that was really, really good coming out of the London trip. And they just got they got swept. I mean, really, they, really good. They were forty and thirty-seven when they faced the Cubs. They're now forty-three and thirty-seven. Or I don't know what the Phillies did today. Well, right, but what they I'm saying is really, really good. Well, no, but they had won eleven of their last fourteen. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> it's but, it's, not, but, it's, uh, it's not like they weren't hot. They were a they were a hot team. They're they're a good team. The London trip you've, and blow up about the London trip. You've still got no because I don't think it was. I don't. I I don't like the London trip. I don't. I don't like it for any team. I don't care if it was the Cubs. I don't care if it was the Sox. Yeah, I don't yeah. care that it was a car. I, I think all of. I think the London trip is stupid. I think it's a bad attempt at baseball to promote in another country when you can't even promote in your own country. Like that's that's what aggravates me about the London trip. And if you want me to go on a tangent about that, we could spend about another forty five minutes on that tangent. But I know that you've got that's a dinner to get to. Dinner. So we wanna <laughs> we don't we don't want to go on that tangent. I just think the Cubs ran into a hot team. I think that the Cubs are going to get back on track. I still think that they're going to be a team. Morell with another home add. run today. Morell, yeah. Long How about this run. guy who misses a, a month of the season? I say I'm not so sure his AAA numbers are going to convert into MLB numbers. And now all of a sudden, he's hitting 280, uh, over 280, and he has already caught Patrick Wisdom in home runs. You know what he said to you? Yeah. Up your butt. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm I'm more than happy to be wrong. I because I needed yeah. to see it from the kid. Yeah. I needed to see it to, I, to I believe it. Because I, I, I'm happy for him, really. Yeah, I mean, and, he came up like a fire starter last year too. Good in the game they lost the other yes. day again. Uh, you know, love watching him pitch. He's never going to be a guy who like dominates a team and shuts a team out. He's not going right. to have a lot of shutouts, especially at this point in his career. But, you know, he limits damage. Uh, you know, it's it's something there. And they're, you know, they're doing what we thought they would do. I, I thought if they, you know, hovered around 500, they'd have a chance at this division. And, you know, that's good for, for a young team, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I like... Um... I like Christopher Morrell. I like what he's been doing. I didn't like the fact that he bunted yesterday with runners on first and second uh, and, and only, and, and nobody out. Like I, you are in the middle of the order, man. Know your role. You're, you are swinging one of the better bats in the lineup. You've been hitting home runs at a rapid pace since you've been up. Swing the damn yeah, no, yeah, bat. And, and how many bunts don't even work out? Like we always talk about, oh, yeah, you got the player over. And that's not that, you know, it's not as, right. as important as we thought in baseball way before. Well, you even know, the inning before that, you had a runner on first and second with two outs. And Nick Magical forgets how many outs there were. And he tries laying down a bunt to move the runners over. That's a tough player there. Whew. He hit home run. His first home run as a Cub today. That's the that's. That's one of those trades where it's bad on both sides. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Albert, Albert Bell for George Bell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, yeah, they came back with a win today. That's a tough series with Philly. You know, maybe, yeah, you run into a buzzsaw a little bit there coming back from London. That's that. That's tough, but... 
Yeah, I think they're going to be all right. They've got Cleveland this weekend. They won uh, today with, with Justin Steele. They've got uh, take a couple uh, from Cleveland. They'll get swept by. Cleveland. Yeah, they they've got Stroman going tomorrow. They'll get swept on purpose by Cleveland. Get swept by Cleveland. They just won today. They can't get swept. Stupid. Oh yeah. <laughs> Last two games of the series. Oh we'll no, see. they they got Stroman going tomorrow, um, and and then you know it, all bets are off on Sunday when you got Jameis and Tyone going, but. You know, that's give all rest all your guys. Talk about a do an Ozzy Gann Sunday game. Terrible signing or or resting. But they've got dude, fourth of July week is is where it's at for the Cubs. You got four against Milwaukee, four against the division leader. You've got Smiley, Hendricks, Steele, and Stroman. You've got your your pitching rotation set up for that series before you head to New York to play the Yankees before the all-star break. Oh boy. I this I'm telling you right now, eyes my eyes are going to be glued to Cubs baseball fourth of July weekend. Except for on the fourth, because I'm gonna be at your house. And from what I heard, yeah. Cubs baseball is not allowed on the TV. We have to watch the Sox oh, lose uh, instead of Cubs compete. <laughs> They're playing the Oakland A's. And by the way, we're going golfing tomorrow. Our, this, is what we, this is what we got for fourth oh of God. July. You think I got enough? Over over under three fingers you lose <laughs> lighting <laughs> off all of these fireworks. Yeah, I went a little far. <laughs> Yikes. Went a well, little too far. Should be a good night, to, though. Yeah, it'll be a good night. We're going golfing tomorrow. Over under on strokes, I'd say, for both of us. 250 for both of us combined, combined over under 250 i'm definitely going over i might go over <laughs> 250 on my own <laughs> I, I bought i went out and because I, I needed some golf balls i went out and bought um a box of 60 because we're going to play 18 holes i'm assuming and if we're playing 18 holes i probably lose about two per hole so I need to have I need to have plenty of golf balls with me. I a couple holes too. Yeah, I'd rather do nine, but whatever. I'll play as many. I'll play as many as the father-in-law wants to play. Yeah, yeah. just I because he tells us there. to. Yeah. I skip a hole here or there too sometimes, but I used to do that too. But that was in my Marine Corps days. That's how I ended up with kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You ready to get out of here? Yeah, I want to. It's eat. closing time. It is time to close with news from around the world. All right. All right. So the first thing I want to ask you: Have you ever used an Airbnb? Yes, I have. Okay, I have too. I, I think they're it's great. The website is great. I think using it and, and going on vacation is great. I had a buddy who came in for my wedding last year and he found a whole house to himself for $72 a night here in Mount Greenwood. Um, and that's cheaper than any hotel room that could be found. And he got a whole house to himself. Well, one where you may not want to use Airbnb is in Louisiana. A couple who was on vacation from Arizona to Louisiana, got the full Cajun experience when the dog alerted them as an alligator was crawling through the doggy door of the Airbnb. Oh my God. Dude, there is not enough toilet paper in Louisiana 
Hey, fucking minute. To be able to wipe me after I see an alligator crawling through the doggy door. As soon as I put this hot poker in my ass, I'm going to chop my dick off. That would. Could you imagine? Could you imagine turning around and hearing the doggy door flap, thinking, all right, cool, my dog just came in from outside. And no, it's a freaking alligator. Oh, my God. I saw an alligator when I was in South Carolina recently on the golf course. So we go up. It's a little alligator. Oh, God. It's not going to do anything. It's like this big, baby. I mean, It's, it's not going to do anything except not take off a couple of digits. Itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, possibly. But it's not like it's just. You, you yeah. should be. We're, we're like 20 feet away. Well, maybe 10 feet away. We look in the water. I was going to say, you know what's near a baby alligator? Yeah. A mama alligator. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the guys we're with are like, are alligators fast? Yes. Incredibly. <laughs> Let's go. Are <laughs> alligators. How big was the one in the water? Well, from face to tail, probably eight, nine feet. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Big enough to swallow you whole. Yes. Yes. That's that's a problem. Um, that's a problem for me. That's my new yeah. story. Yeah. I, dude, so I I hate snakes. Like, it's my it biggest life. fear in the world is is snake. I once got chased around a, a um, Little League uh, awards barbecue that we were having for a team that I was coaching by one of my players' nine-year-old sister who was running after me with a garden snake. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's exactly what I sounded like as I ran into the house with a house full with a kitchen full of women as I'm slamming the door on a nine year old trying to get away from a like a, a 12 inch garden snake. Yes, that 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 is I'm I'm petrified. But I saw one when we were in the Marine Corps, we were in training and we were coming through the, the swamp and a water moccasin came in and I jumped yeah. out of. I jumped out of the little hole that we were in and I yelled snake ah! and this little that we had this girl in our platoon who was about five foot one. And we had our gunnery sergeant who was about six, six black dude who would go up the rope climb with only using his arms and he would grab one rope in each hand, just mm -hmm. jacked. And when I yelled snake, the five foot one girl used gunny as a ladder and put him underneath the swamp water <laughs> to get out of that hole. He came up just mouth full of swamp water. And if you don't know what swamp water is like, walk into a porta potty that is swamp water. Uh, and yeah. So yeah, we got yeah, I got I got in trouble, but yeah. Also, when I was in boot camp, I saw a rattlesnake while I was on the firing range. So I stood up put my rifle in a three round burst and blew up a snakes and got in trouble for that too so but all right we're gonna, all right we're gonna get out of here that is this week in news that is this week for windy city sports talk we will be back with you on july 11th we are off for the 4th of july hence why we are recording this one here i will be on july 4th at the fitz compound but we will be too inebriated to do a show if you do happen to see that we plan on going live on July 4th and happens to be like around 1 a.m. <laughs> you might want to tune in because it's probably going to be a really interesting show. Yes. So a good word for it. Until next time, guys. Same bad time. Same bad channel. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your enemies. 
We will see you later. See ya.